Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back. I'm Brashina. And I'm Mackenzie. And this is Imagine This. Cool. Yay! Uh, <laughs> so today we're going to talk about feminist theater. Um, and as you may have noticed, uh, one of our trio is absent today. So it's just going to be me and Mackenzie talking about this Hard super time. broad topic. And we're so excited because <laughs> we both have a we both have a personal stake in feminist theater. If you couldn't tell, um, so yeah, um, Mackenzie, why don't you kind of okay. like get us started? Um, and we don't have to give like a like a super definitive definition of um, feminist theater, but let's talk about like what feminist theater means to you, like just to start us off. Ooh, I like that question. Um, okay, so feminist theater to me is theater that um, puts women in the forefront of storytelling, whether that be of new stories or of previously told stories, and it puts women in the forefront and it empowers them and maybe tells the story through like a different lens, through a different perspective that um, uplifts women or showcases the female experience versus a more um, patriarchal standard, sometimes sexist play. Yeah. Oh, I really like that definition. And that, that honestly, that goes along with me, that goes along with my definition as well. Um, I think that it's about like feminist stories are about women being at the forefront and having something to say um, and do as opposed to just being, you know, sort of background characters, which kind of brings me to a very interesting like we've seen a lot of feminist work that have been about rewriting plays that have already been written um uh -huh. uh, one uh contemporary that i can think of right now is like susan laurie parks writing in the blood and fucking a um which uh -huh. are both retellings of like the hester prynne story um but they bring hester to the forefront she's in charge of her own well, mostly in charge of her own story. It's a different like way to look at that story from something. 
Yeah. Yeah. Who are some of your yeah. favorite like feminist playwrights right now? Ooh, okay. Always love Paula Vogel and Sarah Rule. Love mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. Um my I think my favorite, one of my absolute favorite contemporary plays is A Feminine Ending by Sarah Treem. So anything by Sarah Treem. Um, I think is lovely. Um, oh my gosh, so many. I'm not gonna list a million. Okay. You need to name some more. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, that's good. That's fine. That's cool. Um, I really like, uh, well, like I was saying, Susan Louis Parks is one of my favorite writers. Um, I got to direct Top Dog Underdog, and that's an experience that is so close to my heart. Like, I can't wait to meet her one day. Susan, if you're listening, I'm such a fan. Um, (laughs) uh, (laughs) So Susan Louis Parks, um, Right now, uh, she has a musical on Broadway, which is at the public, which is so interesting and cool. Um, I I literally had a list, and then I forgot my list like just then. Um, one of the con- one of the like feminists that I think of is Lorraine Hansberry, which a lot of people oh, yeah. don't necessarily consider her a feminist uh, in her work, but I actually love what she does in A Raisin in the Sun because I think she brings the female mm-hmm. characters to the forefront in a way that we don't see in works of that time. So I think it's yeah. I think she is one of my like feminist contemporaries. Um and honestly a lot of the feminist work that I read is like new plays and so I I'm really really excited um for new playwrights to come on the scene um yeah yeah yeah. that's that's what I have to say about that um let's keep going uh Mackenzie tell us about because you're a Shakespeare like you study Shakespeare so mm-hmm. how does feminist theater kind of fit into Shakespeare and what does it mean for the canon in that, in that way? Yeah, it's, it's really, it's really complicated. Um, I think one of, if, if you've read any Shakespeare play, it's quite apparent that there are a lot of deeply rooted misogynistic ideas in these plays that are a product of Elizabethan and Jacobian, Jacobian um, culture. Um, I'm actually in a theater and gender culture class right now for the um, Jacobian period. So like I read hundreds of pages on this every single day. Mm. Um, it's, 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 it's a brutal course. It's not, it's not easy to read a lot of that stuff because there's a lot of violence against women in almost every single Shakespeare play or like the suppression of women. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I find that with Shakespeare, other like classical works being done again, I, feel that it's very difficult to produce these plays in a tra- very traditional sense without it being harmful. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the ways to help with this is setting it with like different concepts um, or something like that, or also gender bend casting, which mm-hmm. is something that I'm particularly a fan of, um, like women playing Hamlet, shout out to Miss Sarah Bernhardt, uh, the first woman to play Hamlet. Um, I just, I'm a really big advocate of gender bending Shakespeare. Like, I don't see a reason why a woman can't play Henry V. Like, I just don't see why that matters. Um, and I mean, yes, you can change pronouns, but you don't have to change pronouns. And just because you're a woman playing a man doesn't mean that you're playing a man you can play a man as playing a woman or you can play a woman playing a man there's like layers of it that Mm -hmm. like are varying degrees of like 
feminist ideas, but also just like empowering women. Just by like having one play king, I think is pretty empowering. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's also adaptations. Um, and adaptations are something that I think is really cool. I read a play by Caridad's Fitch called um, Twelve Ophelias, um, which was like about Ophelia from Hamlet, but it like took place on like this like other plane of existence and it was Hamlet was like a boy child, which like he already is, but like it mm-hmm. <laughs> was like this crazy absurdist thing about like Ophelia taking her life back into her hands. Um, and so there's a lot of feminist Shakespeare adaptations out there. Some of them are brilliant. Some of them are amazing, brilliant, beautiful, wonderful. And some of them are less than that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very hit or miss. Um, one of my favorites is, oh, I forgot the playwright's name, but Good Night Does Demona, Good Morning Juliet. That one is beautiful. Ooh, Obviously, Total Philias is great. Um, but a new work that I particularly love that is related to Shakespeare is called Amelia by Morgan Lloyd Malcolm that played over here at the Globe and the West End. And it is about Shakespeare's mistress, commonly referred to as the dark lady. Mm-hmm. Um, so she is a woman of color. Um, and it's about her and how she actually ha- played, maybe played a very significant role in the writing of his plays. Mm-hmm. Um, and it has done so well over here. And I think it's starting to pick up over in the States. And so that is a new work, kind of spin-off adaptation of Shakespeare that really places women in the forefront. And I'm a massive fan of that play. You should read it if you come across it or go see it. There's a lot of schools doing it now, which is wonderful. I like that. I like that a lot. Um, so when, like, we're talking about feminism and feminist theater, and feminist theater actually is a movement um, mm-hmm. that that we've had various dealings with. Um, we all know that, like, feminism is a movement, and technically we're in fourth wave of feminism as of right now. I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. third or fourth wave I always I always get confused if we're in the third or fourth wave technically um but we're moving we're move like this has always been a movement and we're moving even more forward with it um one of the things that's like very interesting for me as a black woman who's experiencing feminist theater is that um feminism traditionally hasn't always included women of color um you know famously the suffragettes back in the day asked all of the black women to stand at the back of the march um, because they thought it would delegitimize their movement if black women were seen as equal in the march um and then also there you know there were various feminists at the time or suffragettes who were incredibly racist for different reasons. Um, and so that has led quite a few like black women to not identify as feminists, but rather identify as womanist or um, even humanist. I've seen in some, some cases where they just want to talk about their experience um, free of the burdens of dealing with feminism because there is sometimes this like very real um, idea that if you are not for all women all the time that like then you're not a feminist and that especially comes down on women of color in a lot of ways Um, so like uh, Susan Laurie Parks um, Lorraine Hansberry those are just a few of the people that that we know um, who are writing plays that are, you know, doing these very like feminist things, but might not necessarily identify as feminist. Um, Mm -hmm. 
and that's okay with them. Like that's, I, I don't think that necessarily the label of feminist play is what's super important. I think it's the content of the work, like Mackenzie was saying earlier yes. in that in that definition of like I think the, the work is what's important. Um, so whether they yeah. identify as feminist or not, that doesn't mean it's not something that you could identify as a feminist or female empowerment sort of show. Um, yeah, a playwright that I had. I got to work with a couple years ago. Um, Lily Jackson wrote this beautiful show called Comb Your Hair or You'll Look Like a Slave. And it's all women um, or femme identifying people in the show. And it's literally just all about like black women's experiences. Um, you know, some good, some bad, some like middle of the road. It's just it's vignettes of just different experiences in the black as black women and I I see that as a feminist work like it's it's so good um I love stories that bring black women to the forefront and like give them actual agency there's a lot of theater like again those anti-feminist tropes that exist in theater misogyny and misogynoir um that black women experience that are just embedded in our canon um and like Mm -hmm. Mackenzie was saying there's also a big issue with Shakespeare of also like having a race issue um you know references to the dark lady were not always good either like there's some where she's like portrayed as this like glowing in some of the sonnets she's portrayed as like this beautiful woman and then in others he calls her ugly and conniving like it's just it's real bad he gets real bad and you know it's very interesting um so i i i really 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 like to talk about feminist theater and what that means for black women um and it means a lot of different things like i you know women are not all the same and we all want different things um Uh and so like i mackenzie um you recently wrote a play about shakespeare's women (laughs) <laughs> oh you thought I wasn't gonna mention that oh girl no I was not gonna <laughs> plug my own work this is crazy but I want to ask you okay before you plug it okay um I wanted mm-hmm. to ask you what was that experience like of having to go through Shakespeare's women and you know yourself kind of put yourself as a feminist playwright and decide like who you wanted to include in the work and why like what was that experience like for you of writing that play oh my gosh um okay so the idea struck me like lightning um because I was writing a paper about Christian misogyny um in Shakespeare's canon and like the dichotomy between like women are either going to be like the paragon of virtue, like the Virgin Mary, or they're going to be the downfall of man like Eve. Like there is a very Mm -hmm. clear dichotomy in the roles of women um, in Christian tradition, which is so absolutely prevalent dominating early modern literature and tradition. Um, And so that dichotomy is incredibly clear in especially Shakespeare, England's playwright. and so a lot of it was like, okay, well, I have to make sure that I include this character because every, like, uh, Lady Macbeth is like a given. Like, of course, I have to have Lady Macbeth in a play about Shakespearean women. It's like Lady Macbeth, yes, she's in there. Ophelia, yes, she's in there. Juliet, yes, she's in there. Um, and so I have a lot of the tragic figures in it. There's less of the women from the comedies because I do find, while some of it is problematic, there is 
more of a sense of empowerment within the women in a lot of the comedies. Mm-hmm. Um, Taming of the Shrew being the blaring exception in that, there is a scene from Taming of the Shrew in there. Um, and so it was a matter of like, yes, I have to include these, but why do I have to include these? Because they are perfect examples of what I'm trying to encapsulate. That's why they are popular. That's why they are well known because they are from these plays that so aggressively, I want to say aggressively instead of perfectly encapsulate um, some of the problematic tropes that occur. Um, and the tropes are very extreme in these plays because these plays tend to be the extremes of what they are in the mm-hmm. genre and plot wise. Like Hamlet's just a lot. Like Macbeth, oh, very extreme. Um, and so there's, there's a lot of women who are in there for those reasons. And there's like a lot of women from slightly lesser known plays or like less um, popular mainstream plays mm-hmm. um, who also represent these tropes in slightly varying ways um it was my goal to represent different relationships between the women and the women and the men in all of these scenes and so we have scenes between fathers and daughters we have scenes between mothers and daughters we have scenes between two women we have scenes between lovers we have scenes between enemies and everything in between um and it's it's to highlight just this the dangers of this dichotomy and how this horrible representation of women is so damaging to women on both sides like all of the virtuous pure women Mm. are brutalized killed don't survive horrible things happen to them because of that Mm -hmm. but also the evil women also don't survive because they are evil and society cannot sustain having evil women within it because they are dangerous lady Macbeth being the best example like she just simply cannot continue to survive in this society Mm -hmm. because she will be the downfall of it Mm -hmm. um and so I am dramatic and so for me my play is very like I'm just gonna shove it in your face it is misogyny for however long this play is it's going to be brutal misogyny um Mm -hmm. because I think that's particularly effective um and I wanted to cause like really visceral reactions in the audiences because it causes visceral reactions in me when I read Hamlet horribly yelling at Ophelia get you to a nunnery hard to read like that's something that kind of like gets me when we talk about feminist theater and like why it's important there are some people who don't understand why this is important and it's because like when you read these scenes Ophelia yelling at Hamlet when you when you see these things on stage that is painful for 
Mm-hmm. for for some for some women to see like that's that is hurtful in so many levels that like you only see me as an object to be desired or an obstacle to get rid of like that's that again representation is important and when you only have that type of representation that that messes with you mm-hmm. in a way that is hurtful so like i I find feminist theater really, 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 really important um, because it's important for women to like see themselves on stage and see their experience in a bunch of different ways. Like there's so many experiences within this existence as, you know, female beings that we can explore. And so having different types of that experience on stage is so, so important. And our canon is incredibly the western canon is incredibly misogynistic in a lot of aspects Mm -hmm. (laughs) um you know misogynistic and racist so massage noir comes up quite a bit in in all of the things um so thank you for talking about it Mackenzie what is the name of your play and where can we find it it's called Frailty. Thy name is Woman. It's on New Play Exchange. Um, yeah, go read it. It's trigger warning. Um, it's a lot. <laughs> it is. It's on my list. It's on my list now. Um, but yeah, <laughs> thank you for talking about that. I really appreciate that because we both we both write. I don't have anything published, but we both write. And it's it's such an interesting experience to try and write from this the female perspective like I don't know about you but whenever I sit down to write it's a woman who always comes forward like I don't think I have the hardest time trying to figure out who my male characters are in relation to the woman because I'm always like I know who she is I know what she wants (laughs) oh I even find it difficult to read books or plays with male protagonists honestly yeah like uh, we had like like after Harry Potter, we had that like rash of like chosen one, you know, fictions mm-hmm. and everything. And every time I picked up another one that was a man, I was like, oh, God. OK, I guess <laughs> it was just I would much rather like read books about like these. I'm not going to curse be bad a women with magic and their fey boyfriends who are queens and mm-hmm. warriors. I would much rather read those books than I would about emo little man children. <laughs> and I like, yeah, okay. Okay, we, we won't get off on a tangent about fantasy and how they're inherently misogynist tropes in that as well. But there really are. <laughs> Starting with the fact yeah. that like most of those, the woman was right, but she needed a man to like say it. So that way it was important. Yep. It's, a, yep. it's a whole issue. It's a whole issue. Um, but... The other, <laughs> I literally had a list of playwrights, and when I got in this morning, I was like, "Oh, that's that doesn't exist in my brain." Um, but Rada Blank, who just who just uh, wrote the forty year old version that got um, filmed, uh, it's so good. Oh my gosh, I I had a great time. It was so good. Um, Denai Guerrera, um, who mm. wrote uh, Eclipsed and won a Tony, um, she's just awesome. Uh, and then I, I'm so bad at this. Um, Nozake Shange, uh, who wrote for color girls who have considered suicide when the rainbow is enough, um, for color girls was actually one of the like 
first pieces that people suggested to me. Well, just kidding. That was Susan Laurie Parks. <laughs> I read <laughs> in, I read In the Blood and I was like, oh, this is this is good. This is really good. Um, and then afterward, my uh, everyone else in my life was like, oh, you've read For Colored Girls, right? And I was like, no, I have never read this. Um, and it's a beautiful heart-wrenching play um read the play the the play is always better the book is always better than the movie I'm so sorry but um read the play it's gut-wrenching it's beautiful and it uses African-American like storytelling in such a beautiful way to like tell the story of these women um because it's exclusively about women like there are mentions of men in the show but they're not they're more it's the women talking about their relationship to them and how that yeah. has affected them. It's, uh, it's such a good play. Um, and I consider that to be feminist theater. I really do. Yeah. Um, or womanist theater, however you'd like to um, say it. It's a woman centered story that talks about their pain um, and their joy in a very real and raw way that we don't necessarily see every day. So I love that show. <laughs> so mm-hmm. beautiful. Um, so we've talked about um, most of the things. Um, feminist theater is such a broad topic. But when we yeah. when we originally wrote it down, I was like, yes, absolutely. And then this morning I was like, oh, there's there's a lot <laughs> to go on there. Yeah. <laughs> it just again, like it's it's something that is a movement, but it's also very personal. So like, yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, and I'm also just like thinking now after everything that you've been saying, like it's, it's women's history month, not feminist history month. Exactly. Um, and I think that's a really important distinction. So that's really struck me. So thank you for that. Yeah. I think about these things all the time. No, but it's, it like, it is, <laughs> it is women's history month. And there is something to be said that like, not all of our what who we would consider like us personally um not all of the people who we would consider feminist playwrights necessarily identify as feminist playwrights so like again it's a very like personal idea to go with and it's just Mm -hmm. kind of interesting I think plays are fascinating and beautiful um and women-led stories are amazing we're starting to get more of them um Mm -hmm. I would like even more of them to be produced. <laughs> yes. I, yes. I love a good female-led show. Um, we're getting a lot of stories told, like, right now. Like, I can think of what's what's up on Broadway is six, and that's literally mm-hmm. a retelling. Like, those are Henry's wives. We normally just refer to them as Henry's mm-hmm. wives, um, but they have names, and they are getting yeah. to tell their stories in six. And mm-hmm. completely, like, Henry isn't even in the show. So, like, it's, nope. it really is a reclaiming of their lives for, for them. Like, it's, yeah, it's a, it's a fun show, but it's, it's got a meaning. It's got a point. I think that's very interesting. Mm-hmm. Like, people know more than just Anne name now. <laughs> yes. Yes. The rest of them have names, too. <laughs> They were all very important people. I, yeah. yeah. 
Oh, no, I love oh that. Oh, my gosh. Like, his last one, Catherine Parr, wrote one of the first, like, was, like, one of the first women to, like, publish an English book in England. Like, hello? Yes. Yes. That's why the Shakespeare, like, <laughs> if you look at six and then compare it to, like, the Henrys from Shakespeare, you're like, oh, there's, like, mm-hmm. these women were, like, actual people. Like, there's a lot going on here. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's so, it's so interesting. It's so cool. But, uh, you know. Yeah. It's so interesting. I was reading um, Henry VI Part One last night, which is one that has Joan of Arc in it. And they, like, he really just, like, really leans into the whole witchcraft bit and how she was, like, maybe having an affair with Charles. And I'm just like, this is, like, sexist Shakespeare. What are you doing? So maybe that's something. Like, let's talk about that a little bit. Like, what are some of the misogynistic tropes that we see in theater like pretty often yeah um (laughs) witchcraft yeah um yeah witchcraft (laughs) um there's a lot of um violence or sexual violence against women Mm -hmm. um there's um uh i'm trying to like go through like the literal units of the class that i'm in right now Uh, taming yeah, um, so like forming women to be a certain thing um just the way like society operates in social hierarchies that's a big one um um <laughs> oh conversions um so like forcing um like people to convert anything from like religion to like social attitudes to anything like that just Mm -hmm. um pretty much the controlling and manipulating and labeling of women yeah I was good yeah when you said taming I was I was thinking the shrew um character which like a lot of these sort of like boil down into characters that we've seen before so like if you've ever seen 10 things I hate about you you've seen taming of the shrew (laughs) um not Uh even kidding that's literally the story um is 10 things I hate about you and like that is that's a severely like messed up storyline like he you know tricks her so that way his younger his uh friend can run off with her younger sister like that's that's out of there um it's a whole thing the only thing that i think 10 things about you like deviates from that i like is that um catherine gets the chance to say how she feels about Mm -hmm. what he did which is not something that Mm -hmm. she gets to do in shakespeare at the end they all end up happily ever after because it's one of shakespeare's comedies so um they all end up together and it's fine that he just did this thing. And in 10 things I hate about you, he actually has to apologize and make amends, which I think is Mm -hmm. a step in the right direction. It's still a very sexist trope that she was something to be controlled. um, And that, you know, her behavior was somehow invalid because she wasn't acting very ladylike. That's Yeah. yeah. That's a whole trope. It's so funny that you see that because there is an early modern play that was written as a follow-up to Taming of the Shrew called um, The Tamer Tamed, The Woman's Prize, mm-hmm. um, which is just incredibly unhinged. Um, but also, oh my gosh, okay, I'm not going to like go into detail about this, but if you really like Shakespeare, um, I, my friends and I in my cohort um, fixed Taming of the Shrew. We have fixed it. Um, Ooh. And yes. 
just the way that it's been staged and performed for um since the restoration is incorrect and it might not actually be as traditionally misogynistic as a lot of us would like to believe based on directorial choices um if you want to know more um dm me because i got you but yeah Taking the shrew. <laughs> I love that. I really like that. I again, some some feminist adaptations really do boil down to choices, like directorial mm-hmm. acting choices that you make in the moment to like make something a little bit more powerful or a little bit less terrible. I guess is the word. Yeah. Um, some of the like massage noir tropes that we see in um in contemporary work is we still have like the Jezebel character. Um, (laughs) so the Jezebel character, for those people that don't know, um, is a character that, um, focuses on black women. Um, and it basically says that like, she is overtly sexual and she needs to be like, she can use that for her own purposes, her own gain. Um, and she needs to either, have a redemption arc and come out of that and like make amends for um you know using her sexuality inappropriately or she is a problem that needs to be you know uh taken out if you will and so there's there's so many issues with that trope um one it like overly sexualizes black women um to the point that you know anything we do is considered sexual even just the way that our bodies are built is considered sexual um the jezebel trope is responsible for people thinking that like having a big butt is sexy um you know having too much cleavage showing is a mark on you using your sexuality having any sort of skin showing that sort of thing like Um, Jezebel was mostly portrayed as like not wearing a lot of clothing sort of thing. So like those are things that are reminiscent of the Jezebel trope um, that we still see today in, in contemporary theater. There's, there's still so many examples of this. Um, Mm -hmm. Another um, massage noir trope that we see is the Mammy character. Um, which is the complete opposite of the Jezebel and that she is completely desexualized and she is only seen as a mother or someone who is nurturing and worthy of bearing children and taking care of those children. She's normally portrayed as like very fat and happy. Um, and that is, <laughs> that's the literal opposite of the Jezebel trope. And those are the two that I think are the most prominent Um, that black women have to like run into when it comes to different things. And those are still, those still come up um, just in different variations. I honestly consider like the sassy best friend kind of in the mammy character vein is that she normally doesn't have a lot of interest. She's normally a completely non-sexual entity, but she is there to like give good advice to, uh, you know, her white friend and say like, girl, you got this or, I know you didn't, you know, like something very stereotypical. Um, and so that's ca- like, that's something that we st- like, we see that on TV and in movies a lot still to this day. Um, so those are, yeah. those are some of the characters that come up in like the massage noir vein. And so like working, um, I've seen quite a few works that like try to reclaim um first off black female sexuality and then also like 
black happiness and motherhood to say that like it's not always perfect it's not always going to be like like these tropes are saying that it is but it's much more complicated it's much more interesting mm-hmm. um i like as a playwright i know that i've talked to quite a few black play- playwrights who have toyed with the idea of like rewriting mammy and like actually hearing her perspective on everything rather than you know like what we've seen which is very like that's a super interesting idea is just to like what was she thinking sort of thing what what were her thoughts on everything and how did she um make moves to survive one of my favorite ways that the mammy character is reclaimed um is in an episode of a different world um and it's uh, centers a poem by nikki giovanni um and it talks about basically like throughout the episode, like the black characters in the show are dealing with the fact that Mammy is a part of our history and what that means for us and like how that, um, what that means for them and how they are either seen as the embodiment of Mammy or the opposite of Mammy. And at the end, this poem by Nikki Giovanni, it talks about basically like the evolution of black women um, and how, you know, we stretch all the way from, you know, here in the U S to across the globe and how Hannibal is, you know, African and um, his mother had to have been black. So like, you know, what does that look like? It's a beautiful episode. If you ever get to watch it, Um, it's one of my favorite shows and it's, that's my favorite episode of that show. Uh, because it talks about reclaiming in such a such a real way that like you have to wrestle with it because that's the other thing about like feminist theater is some of these things we're reclaiming like reclaiming our sexuality reclaiming who we are but you have to wrestle with it a little bit because those those tropes have been so harmful yeah you know um yeah so feminist theater is is an outlet for that it's us getting to reclaim who we are and I love that I love that I live in an age where we get to reclaim who we are absolutely yeah cool especially as artists I think it's particularly like empowering and cathartic to get to tell the stories of other women um yeah yeah we're we're blessed to look at history in that way cool well I think that's a good note to end on we talked about a lot we did (laughs) we kind of (laughs) kind of bounced around there but I had a great time talking with you today Mackenzie this is awesome uh can you tell them where to find us yeah you can find us on Instagram at imagine this theater pod theater with an re or at wild imaginings waco or at wild imaginings waco.com or through our incredible producers rogue media networks And thank you all for joining us today. And thank you for joining us on Imagine This.